Thank you for listening to BLC's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message, brought to you by Daryl Reed. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. So, uh, I get to share with us this morning, and, and I want to ask a question. How many of you guys are on social media? you got some kind of social media account of some sort, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, TikTok, I believe, is the new one, and there's all sorts of other things. It's, yeah, you can't keep up just with how many platforms there are, never mind what's going on. I'm pretty terrible at social media, I must admit. Uh, I think I've maybe made about three posts in about the last five years, um, if that. So I'm, I'm really quite bad, um, and I don't intend on getting any better unless, unless the Lord says I need to for some reason. But anyway, um, but, but the question I have for us this morning is, is who are you following? Who are you following on social media? Who, who are you following? Not just in social media, but in life. Who are you following? You know, it's so easy on your Instagram account. You, you see something that interests you and you just click follow. And just like that, now you're following that person. You know, Facebook, you just click, you know, friend or whatever, however it works. I don't even know how it works anymore. Um, you know, YouTube, you just click subscribe. At the click of a button, you can just start to follow someone. And, and then instantaneously, the, the content that they're putting out is, is pushed onto your screen, onto your device, as you, you're open to look at it. And so who are you following? And, and what I'm going to talk about this morning, we all have heard this and we all know this intellectually, but I think sometimes we just need to be reminded, I know I need to be reminded, practically, what does this look like? Because we want to follow Jesus, right? That's who we really want to follow. What does it look like to follow Jesus? And so if you've got your, your Bible, you can open up to Matthew chapter 8. Um, while, while you're getting ready to, to, to read with me in Matthew chapter 8, to be a follower of Jesus means to be a disciple. And so what, what is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of a teacher. It's not just a student or a learner, but a follower. You see, I think we've intellectualized discipleship. And we kind of think that to be a disciple means to have a bunch of information about someone or about something. But it it really means much more than just the transfer of information. The transfer of information alone is not discipleship. That's a part of it, but it's not full discipleship. You see, to be a disciple is to know Christ, to follow him, and to make disciples of all nations. There's a practical outworking of our discipleship and of us being disciples that it's not just this intellectual, informative thing. And I think we've, in the Western world, uh, or the Western mindset at least, we've intellectualized uh, discipleship. It's, it's just been this collection of information, of, of, of you know, even revelation, call it, of, of these profound thoughts from the Scriptures. And it's, you know, we walk, walk away from church maybe thinking like, oh, you know, there wasn't really anything new today, or I didn't quite enjoy it. And that's not really what it's about. It's not about getting more information Um, That's just one piece of the puzzle. It's about learning to follow. We want to follow Jesus, and that looks like a practical walk. It looks like us having actions that accompany uh, that that information, that revelation that we're getting. So if you're in Matthew chapter 8, we're going to read from verse 18 all the way down to verse 27. And Matthew, he, he kind of structured 
his writing in a, in a slightly different way. Most of the other Gospels, they, they structure things chronologically uh, in time order. But Matthew kind of collected uh, thoughts or he would collect a, a bunch of stories that would together be a collection of, you know, this, these all hang together. And so he would take a story that happened at the end and a story at the beginning, uh, that type of thing, to, to create a story. And so uh, the other Gospels don't have it in this order. But in Matthew, he puts them in this order because he's, he's telling a story about following Jesus. So if you're with me, Matthew chapter 18, verses 18. It says, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. We're going to end over there. So these three accounts of, of following Jesus or of, of people asking to follow Jesus, and, and there's some, some interesting responses. And so I think we need to just know that as Christians, following Jesus is not the easy way out. And if you were told that, well, you, you weren't told the whole truth because it's not the easy way out. It often leads you into times of, of challenge, of opposition, uh, times where, it, it, you know, it might not seem like the circumstances are what you'd want them to be. But, but Jesus might lead you into the storm. See, the disciples followed him and, and he went into the storm. So following Jesus doesn't, doesn't mean it's the easy way out. In fact, it means the contrary often. But also, when it comes to following Jesus, there should be no excuse. So as the, the one guy says, oh, I just need to go and you know, sort out my dad. And reading one of the commentaries, the, the, the writer said, the dad wasn't actually deceased yet. Um, he was kind of, it, it was like this, this phrase, this, um, what's the right word? But this, um, come on, help me. Uh, almost like a, a phrase to, to give a point in a strong way, to exaggerate something so that it would be remembered. Um, but anyway, the, the point being, like there, there's no excuse to not follow Jesus. That, that when he's calling us, when he's inviting us, there should be nothing that holds us back to say, oh, but God, I just want to sort out this first or, or I just want to do this first. And, and that's what this, this, uh, the question was asked of him. Like, you know, he was finding out where, where's the boundary? How, how committed do I have to be? And, and Jesus answered pretty straight and directly, no, you need to be 100% committed. There's, there's no two ways about this. You need to, you need to follow me 100%. Um, and that's what it means to, to follow Jesus. So following him, it could well lead us into, into dangerous situations. We're going to read another account uh, in, in a few moments. But sometimes our natural mind thinks, like, that's just crazy. Why would I follow Jesus there? But I want to say to us this morning that following Jesus into a, a naturally, um, you know, unsafe place, if Jesus is leading you there, that is the safest place for you to be. 
When you're on the front lines with Jesus, that is the safest place for you to be. Safer than you being in the comforts of your home, not following him. You're safer following him going into a dangerous situation. There's no safer place for you to be than with Jesus and uh, wherever he's going. You see, I think when it comes to to our faith to follow, because we need faith to follow Jesus, we've got to believe that we're hearing him, that we're sensing what he's saying, what he's doing, where he's going, so that we can follow after him. And I think we've intellectualized our our faith. And so we've almost lost a genuine faith of just believing and trusting in him because we've intellectualized so many things. And so... You know, Jesus says to his disciples when when the storm is raging, he says, you have little faith. Why are you afraid? You see, the disciples just had an amount of faith to kind of be saved, to get into the kingdom. But did they have faith to change that situation, to to know that God was going to protect them? No, they they were freaking out. They were of little faith. And so it's this journey that we're all invited on to follow him, where we grow in our faith, where we mature in our faith, that when the storm hits us, we don't necessarily freak out and say, Jesus, fix the storm. We say, Jesus, how do you want me to address the storm? You see, often we're faced with the storm and we run to Jesus, Jesus, come and, come and do this. But, you know, the disciples hadn't, didn't have the Holy Spirit yet in this moment. We now have the Holy Spirit. And, and Jesus has said, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. So what does a modern day equivalent look like where we're in the storm? Does it look like us all gathering down on our knees and saying, Jesus, come and fix the storm? Partly it looks like that. But I think a more accurate way to look at it is, Jesus, how should we fix the storm? where it's not a, you know, I throw my hands up and there's nothing I can do because I'm powerless and Jesus, you've got to come do this thing. As, now, how can we together, God, what, what is it that you've given me? What is the key of faith to unlock this thing, to quiet and still the storm? So what storm are you facing? Maybe there's an economy storm that's, that's raging around your business. Maybe there's a relational storm that's, that's raging around your family. Maybe there's, there's just conflict or maybe there's, I don't know what, what storm might be, you, might, you might be stuck in. But I want to encourage you this morning to say, Jesus, will you help me grow in my faith that I won't be one of those disciples on the boat where you rebuke them and said, you have little faith, but that we'll be able to see, God, what are you doing? in this situation and how can I partner with what you're doing to still the storm and to rise above and to have breakthrough in the storm. So the next passage that we're gonna, we're gonna look at in, in quite some detail is in 2 Samuel chapter five. So uh, Sean Boltz referenced this a couple of weeks ago and it's uh, one of our kind of strong verses that we as breakthrough hold on to and it's, it's a real fun story about following. So 2 Samuel chapter 5, we're going to read from verse 17 all the way down to verse 25. 
Second Samuel chapter five, verse seventeen. It should be on about page two hundred and forty-nine. I'm just kidding. I don't know. My iPad doesn't have pages. Sorry. So when the Philistines heard that David, sorry, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim, and David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to Baal-perazim, and David defeated them. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore the name of that place is called Baal-perazim. And the Philistines left their idols there, and David and his men carried them away. And the Philistines came up yet again, again, and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. When David inquired of the Lord, he said, You shall not go up. Go around to the rear and come against them opposite the balsam trees. And when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then rouse yourself, for then the Lord has gone out before you to strike down the army of the Philistines. And David did as the Lord commanded him and struck down the Philistines from Geber to Giza. We're going to end it over there. So a couple of interesting things over here. I think the first thing to note is David is, is king at this time in 2 Samuel. Uh, he became king when he was about 30 years old. And so he's been leading the, the Israeli army for quite some time. Um, I mean, when he killed Goliath in the story of David and Goliath, how old he was, is, it doesn't, Scripture doesn't say, but we can estimate he was somewhere between the ages of 15 and 22. Uh, it's quite a wide range, but he was somewhere within that, 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 that age range. And so he's been, you know, championing an army for at least eight or, or more years. He's got some battle experience. He's been through this before. He's won victories. He's won battles. He knows what he's doing. He's got the degree. He's got the experience. He's got the know-how. He's, he's not this, you know, it's not like they took Daryl and, and said, okay, you're now in charge of the army and they're about to attack. And I'm like, I have got no clue what to do. God, help me. Like, he wasn't that person. He, he had everything he needed. He had the, the natural skills and abilities to lead the army and to go and fight a, a physical battle. But yet, what does he still do? Even though he knows what he could do, probably, he inquires of the Lord. He says, God, I, you know, I could go and just fight this battle and maybe we'd win, maybe we'd lose, but we know how to fight. It's what we do. We know how to go out to battle. We know how to go out to war. But yet he still goes to the Lord and says, God, what must we do? So my encouragement this morning is, is how many situations in your life are you relying on your degree, your experience, your intellect, your skills, your wisdom. You've been through this before and so you know how to do this because you've done it before. And so you just go about doing the same thing. I think this is where our faith gets challenged because we get into what I would call an intellectual faith or a routine faith. Because we did it this way before, now let's, God broke through the previous time and so he's gonna do the same thing again. We're actually following Jesus looks like in every situation, God, what are you doing? That we retreat to a stronghold, to a place of, of quiet with the Lord and say, God, what are you doing? 
God, what are you saying? I want to follow you. I don't want to, I don't want to just do my own thing because previously you did this or you did that. God, what are you doing? So David goes and he inquires of the Lord. He goes to his stronghold. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7, it says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. And so when you're facing the storm of life, I want to encourage you to find that stronghold in him. Find that place where you can just be with him, that place of safety, that place of connection with the Lord. Psalm chapter 18, verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. That God, when we're facing a battle, when we're facing a storm, Lord, will you be my stronghold? May my stronghold not be my experience, my intellect, my uh, experience, like I said, or whatever it is. May my stronghold be you, God. May you be my stronghold. You know, wh where do you go when you're facing a storm? You know, you know, on Instagram and social media, I look at it every now and then, and so there are these adverts. I don't like the adverts. Do you guys like the adverts? It's terrible, isn't it? You know, there's this advert called fear that just keeps popping up on my feed. You need to, you need to close that advert down and say, not interested when that, that feed called fear comes and, and, and positions itself in front of you on, on your social media. You guys get the metaphor. You know, what, what is your stronghold? Where do you run to when, when there's a battle, when there's a tension, when there's a storm, do you run to fear for comfort? Do you run to, to the fridge for, for comfort? Do you run to your experience for comfort? Where do you run? I want to encourage us this morning. Let's run to our stronghold in the Lord. Let's run to Him. Let's not rely on past victories. Let's not rely on past battles that we've faced before. We remember those things but we bring those things with us to the Lord. We don't trust in those alone. So verse 20 in, in the story, it says, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. So David inquires of the Lord. The Lord says, you've got this. I'm gonna hand them over to you. You're gonna win. They go out, they have the battle. And, uh, and the Israelites win, they, they defeat the Philistines and, and it's a victory for them. And so David doesn't go gloating and saying, come on, we're the champions, we won again. He gives the glory to God. He says, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. You see, coming back to the story of the storm, where we, we retreat and we, we say, God, Jesus, will you come and fix this? Will you do it all by yourself? There's this tension between God, do the whole thing. I'm, I've got no role to play. And the other extreme is, I've got this. I've done this before. I'm experienced. I've got the degree. I've got the experience. And I'm gonna face this, this battle, this business thing, and I'm gonna do it. So that's the one extreme. The other extreme is, God, I'm completely incapable of doing anything. You do the whole thing by yourself and then you get the OU of little faith. I think it's somewhere in the middle that we need to find the truth. And that's what David did. David and his team they, and the army, they go out, they fight. They were probably tired. A battle is, 
I mean, I've never been in a war before, but I once did a little bit of boxing training. I lasted about maybe 60 seconds, and I was... <gasps> Fighting is, like, exhausting. It really is draining. Like, they, they went and they gave their all. They played their part, but God gave them the victory. And so it's this partnership, this collaboration between David and the army and the Lord. I think that's where we need to find the, the balance point when, when we're facing a storm or a battle is, is God, what can I do? But God, will, will you guide and lead me in this battle, in this victory as I follow you? See, the Philistines followed their idols. That's what they were following. And as, as, as the, the, they were defeated, they, they abandoned and left their idols. And so the Israelites gathered them and, and destroyed them. So again, what, what is the idol that's perhaps knocking on your door? What is the idol that keeps appearing on your social media feed? Oh, follow me, you know, riches and, 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 and glory or fame, whatever it is. What is the idol that keeps knocking on your door that, that maybe every now and then you, you click on that advert and, and it takes you in a, in a different direction? Come on, that happens. Have you ever been, you had to go onto like Facebook to find someone's name or phone number or something practical and then the next thing, an advert or, or something else distracted you and half an hour later you're like, what was I doing again? Come on, I'm not the only one. <laughs> so, so what idol is knocking on your door? What, what idol is pitching up on your, your, your feed that's trying to steal your attention? See, it was the downfall of obviously the, the Philistines because they were worshiping the, the completely wrong God. And so these things come to distract us, to, to pull us away from him. God, we want to follow you. We want to follow you. You know, too often I think we, even when we, we do do well, up to the point of victory, we, we follow him, uh, he, we partner with him, we have a victory, we then celebrate and we high five and, and it's time to party. I think we do that a lot. And it's, it's good, but we need to wait for the right time as well. I think, I think too often we, we celebrate prematurely. Because what happens? They've just defeated them. The Philistines regroup and they get ready to attack a second time. You see, what would have happened if the, the Israelites were parting? You know, woohoo, we've got all the gold, we've got all the things, we won, let's go have some wine, party. Uh, you know, they would have been completely annihilated probably. They didn't, they didn't celebrate prematurely. So the Philistines start to prepare to attack again. David has just inquired of the Lord. He's just defeated them. And so come on, the, the natural thing is, God's already said, we have the victory. Well, now I'm pushing buttons. But God already said, we have the victory. But what does David do? He doesn't assume or he doesn't step into presumptuous faith. God, because you did it that time, just yesterday or the day before, you're going to do the same thing again today. I think this thing of presumptuous faith comes knocking on our door and tries to rob us of real, genuine, assured faith because we rely on what he said yesterday, not on what he's saying today. 
See, David doesn't say, God, what you said yesterday is necessarily for today. He says, God, what are you saying today? And so he goes and he inquires of the Lord again. And what does the Lord say? He gives him a completely different strategy to fight the same people in the same place. It's the same battle. Repeated, straight after one another, completely different strategies. How often are we relying on our intellect, our wisdom, our experience? And because we did it yesterday, we're going to do it again today. And it just doesn't work sometimes. God wants to encourage us. God, what are you saying today? As I'm following you today, I'm not following you from what you said 17 years ago. No, I'm following you for what are you saying to me today? So David inquires of the Lord. The strategy this time is to come up from the rear gather opposite the, the balsam trees, it's like the mulberry trees, and when you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, then you know. And so the, the scripture says, um, it says, rouse yourselves, I think it is. Let me find it. Uh, then rouse yourself. It's like, wake up, get ready quickly, be prepared. It's not like, no, then you can still finish a cup of tea, chill, watch the, watch the rest of that Netflix episode. And, and, you know, if the next one is really good, watch that one too, and then get up and start to, to act. Or, you know, just finish the series. And once you finish the series, tomorrow you can, you can respond. No, it's like rouse yourself, stop it, get ready, now is the time. And so it's like this urgent call that when you hear the sound of the marching on the tops of the balsam trees, immediately respond and go. That's your sign that the Lord has gone before you. So they, the, David and the, the army, they respond and uh, they have a victory again over the Philistines. And this time they pursue them and they follow them um, from, from Gibeah all the way to Giza. Uh, I think it's Giza that they're not sure exactly where it was, but it's, it's a couple kilometers that they're chasing after them with all their armor, destroying them. I mean, they did their part. It wasn't that, you know, they just said, okay, God, we're going to follow you. And then as, as the, the marching in the tops of the balsam trees goes, that we're just going to now sit back and wait and, and, and just the angels of the Lord are going to just go and destroy them. And we're just going to, going to sit back and watch, watch the Netflix episode. No, they, they were doing it. They were fighting again. They were giving everything that they had in partnership with, with him and what he said as they were following. See, following him will put you in dangerous positions, but it's the safest place to be. Following him doesn't look the same yesterday as it does today necessarily. Uh, I think if there's anything that we can get out of today's messages is let's not get into presumptuous faith where we presume because God did this thing that day, he's going to do it the same way this time. Does that make sense? Scott, what are you saying today? What are you doing in this moment? And so in Corinthians chapter 14, it says, follow the way of love. God, help us to follow. Follow you and follow the way of love. Dr. Rebecca already mentioned uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. In times like this where there's coronavirus and the world is shutting down and, and, and fear is just on your feed, it's on your TV, it's on your work colleague, it's at the, wherever you go, there's fear that's trying to get you down. Remind yourself, when, when that fear advert comes, 
oh, no, 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 this is not me. I don't have a spirit of fear. I've got a spirit of power, of love, of self-control, and I'm going to respond from a place of love, self-control, and power, not out of fear. So as we start to wrap this up this morning, I want to give you three accounts of Jesus healing the blind and how even Jesus, when he followed the Holy Spirit, when he followed Father, he, he did things differently. You'd think, you know, this is the healing model to, to open a blind eye. Yet Jesus never did the same thing twice. He did things differently every single time. So the first one is in Mark chapter 8, verse 22 to 25. It says, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out to the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, whoa, wait a minute, Jesus, Corona, hello. <laughs> when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored and he saw everything clearly. So this first account, person comes, begs, Jesus spits in his eyes. I don't know, oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I just think like, what, what was the guy thinking? In that culture, it was a sign of like complete disregard and you're the scum of the earth if you spat on someone. And so Jesus is now taking this thing that was like, you're the scum to bring restoration and healing because if they were uh, handicapped or crippled or disabled in any way, they were, they were treated really badly. And so people would spit on them because they'd think that there was sin in their family. And so Jesus is taking what society would do to them and he's restoring that and he's healing as he goes and, and spits on, on, on this guy's eyes and he gets partial healing and then even Jesus prays a second time and then he gets full healing. So spit, however he did it, I don't know, you can figure that out between you and Jesus. Praise a second time and the guy gets healed. Second one is two chapters uh, later on in Mark chapter 10. Uh, we're gonna read verse 46 and then verse 51 and 52. It says, and they came to Jericho and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, sorry, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. So that time it's just a command. Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. Doesn't do any action, he just gives a verbal instruction. Receive your sight. First time he's spitting and laying hands and then laying hands again. Next time it's just a verbal command and he receives his sight. Let's look at a third one. This is in John chapter nine. We're gonna read verse one and then verses six and seven. As he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Is that better than direct, like medically? Well, I don't know. <laughs> So he, he spits on the ground, makes mud with the saliva. He then anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So this time spits in the ground, makes some mud, anoints the man's eyes with that mud and says, now go wash in the pool of Siloam and, uh, and, and then he'll be healed. 
three accounts of, of, of blind people being healed, and everyone is different. You see, following Jesus looks like a unique and different thing in every situation. And I, and I think our intellectualized faith likes to find a routine, likes to find an order, likes to find a way of doing things uh, with repetition. And so because God broke through for me yesterday like this, today I'm going to do the same thing, and then the next I'm going to do the same thing, and the next thing we find ourselves in a thing called religion, and we've lost relationship with Him. Because that's what it's all about. It's the relationship with Him, following Him. God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing? It's not about finding the, 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 the formula, finding the routine that works. God, what are you doing? God, what are you saying? God, I want to follow you. I want my business to follow you. God, I want my family to follow you. God, I want to follow you and see healing take place. God, I want to follow you and see my city changed and transformed as I follow you every single day, as you speak to me every single day, that I don't rely on what you said three weeks ago as my bread for today because you give us fresh bread every morning, every day. But the thing is, are we following? Are we listening? Or are we still going down the path from three weeks ago because it worked three weeks ago? Is your business still going down the path from three years ago because it worked three years ago? I want to encourage you and say it's a season for business to innovate, to be entrepreneurial, to expand, to find different ways of operating. I just so feel that God is speaking to businesses, to employees, because he's giving us divine strategy in this season. He's giving us godly wisdom and godly blueprints that don't look like what we used to do before, because as we follow him, there's breakthrough that's coming, like water's breaking out. I just sense just such an outflow, just such a, a breaking out in the season as we hear, God, what are you saying for me, for my business, for my family, for my job, for today? Won't you stand? See, in our Western education system, you go to school. If you further that, you go and get a degree, maybe even an honors or master's or doctorate. And then we kind of think that we're done. We've done our studies. Being a disciple means to be an eternal student. We never graduate from school. We never get that certificate of, okay, you've now learned enough, you can now go and do. No, it's positioning ourselves in a permanent position of being a learner follower. See, Jesus is inviting us to follow him, not just on Sundays, but every day, every single day. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the way that you guide us, the way that you lead us, the way that you speak to us. God, our hearts are to follow you every day in everything that we do. Our, hearts is, our heart is to follow you in our business, in our families, in our uh, ministry things, in every aspect of our lives. God, our heart is to follow you. God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing? And so will you anoint us, God? Will you enable us Will you equip us to hear your voice, to not rely on presumptuous faith, but to have assurance of faith in hearing what you're saying and what you're doing 
in this season for today. Help us to hear you and follow you for today. Thank you, Lord, for businesses that are going to get breakthrough. Thank you for, for innovative ideas that are coming. Thank you for blueprints that are coming. Thank you that we, we look at things from a fresh perspective and we don't necessarily rely on last week's breakthrough, but we trust you for fresh breakthrough. Thank you that you give us fresh strategy, fresh wisdom, fresh manner every day. Will you speak to us, God? Help us to follow you in everything that we do. Amen.